The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. What if you don't need to know anything else? That's the big what if today. If we're wrapping this up today, if we're wrapping up our series, what if? So, so today, if you came to church hoping to get something new after Thanksgiving, some new inspirational talk, be prepared to be disappointed. Because today you're not going to hear anything new. What we just looked at here in the book of Peter, Second Peter, uh, if you have your own Bible uh, or one of ours or a mobile device, some things to, to mark up in it. In verse 12, he says, Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. See, if you need to be reminded, is that something new that you need to know? You already know it, you just need to be reminded about it again. And it's interesting here, he's not reminding them because they're screwing up and messing up. He's saying, look, you're doing great. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you've been taught. He says, it's only right that I should keep on reminding you. My, my deal today is to remind you of what you already know. We just did this series uh, called What If? What if it's actually true? We had uh, 12 weeks of looking at, 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 at basic things. That, that it, what if it's actually true? How would this, if we lived like this, what would that mean? Now, in order to do that today, we are going to take a, a, look, a look at these, these 12 things. And as we do it, um, we're going to give you a chance at the end of our time together to do a poll. Uh, there's a number there on the bottom of that note sheet. If you're newer here and wonder what's that note sheet thing, it's on the back of that program or somewhere in there. So you can text whichever one you found most meaningful, most significant, most important. If it was the week that Beth or Justin taught you liked them best, just you can put theirs in there uh, as well. What was most memorable or significant? You might want to wait till the end for those of you that want to hear, get the recap again. And then you might want to uh, just vote more than once because some people will go, well, I think I remember this one the most, but now that you went back through them again, this is the one I like the best or remember the most, was most impactful, most meaningful for me. There's also a fun little game exercise on the inside of the program called Intersect. You can look at it later on, kind of looking at the various topics and doing a little game to match up the key scriptures and look them up and see if you can match them all up to see how that works for you. So here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say with me, what if? What if? What if, number one, just believing isn't enough? That was week one of our series. It is not a matter just to have a bunch of creeds to believe all the right things. He said, look, Jesus said, the demons believe and tremble. The demons have better theology than you do. Because they actually know it's true. What if just believing isn't enough? What if it's the importance of practicing what we preach? What if we need less posturing and less posting and way more just practicing what we preach? Jesus says it this way. You, you know what a tree is by looking at the little marker in the orchard and it tells you that it's an orange tree. Well, come on, it's what I call it. I, I'm a Christian. Look, I, I, I've jumped through all the hoops. I'm a, I'm a Christian. You go, no, no, you don't. You know what a tree is. You know if it's an orange tree if oranges come off of it. That's how you can tell 
what it is. That's the most important thing. And we talked about this. We're going to give you a quick little question uh, uh, for each one of these to help you uh, kind of probe down deeper in my really living this out. And the question here is this is, am I obeying God even when I don't want to? Because faith, it takes no faith to obey God when you agree with it and it works for you. That's just called being human. It takes faith to obey God when you don't feel like it and you don't want to. The story of our Bibles, all the way through is people going, I don't like this, this is stupid, this is dumb, I don't get it, I don't agree with it. And from telling you for you and for me, there's place on your journey where you're going to go, gosh, I hate this. And the truth is, guys, if, if we were making up the Bible for ourselves to make a good religion or one we could get big crowds for, there's a bunch of things that I would take out. Especially right now in America today, there's a bunch of stuff that would come out of there. But faith is, believe, is, is following through on, what we, uh, on what, what's in there, whether we like it or agree with it or not. That's week one. Just believing isn't enough. Number two, what if being too busy is as bad as adultery? This is the idea of keeping the Sabbath. And we grew up going to church. Keeping the Sabbath day holy, it was one of God's big commands, means you go to church on Sunday. That's not what he's talking about. Now, it's not a bad idea. You should be at church on the weekends. But keeping the Sabbath day holy is more about the idea for people who have been slaves for 400 plus years. He's telling them, take a day off. And here's what's crazy about it. God gave uh, they be, eventually became known as the nation of Israel, the Jewish faith. They were just the descendants of Abraham. They'd been slaves in Egypt. They had no code. They had, no, they had nothing to organize their nation around. So he gave them. He went, talked to Moses and said, here's some things I want you to put down, some codes and rules and regulations. 613 or 31. A little dyslexic there. I'm not sure which one it is. Six, but, but, in the, but he gave them the top 10. And in the top 10, he says, don't have any other gods but me. Don't make any idols to represent me, he said, don't use my name in vain. And before he gets to lying and murder and adultery, he says, keep the Sabbath day. It's crazy, crazy important. We need to build a, build a rhythm into our life. What it means to keep the Sabbath day is to build times into our life, whether it's an actual day or rhythms of your life where you're going to be completely non-productive. For you type A Tightly wound, driven people like that, you're twitching right now. You can't imagine that. To be completely non-productive, to purposely get nothing done. Some of you are going, oh, I could be a Christian right now. <laughs> I'm good. To just enjoy it. What that means is, here's the big question. Find out for you, what, what drains me and what fills me? What, what drains and sucks the life out of me? And gosh, guys, life just does it to it. This is not even bad things, just living life. Man, um, going to work and doing the commute and driving back and forth, having children, it fulfills you for what, about 10 minutes? And then like, whoa, and then you just think you get them figured out. They drain the life out of you when they hit around 11, 12, 13, 16, 27, whatever they are. And see, so what works for me, what fills me, it's most, what fills me, not what fills them. Don't let somebody impose that on you. Well, you, you should do your quiet time like this, and you should go hiking like this, and you should go. What, what does it for you? Uh, number three, what if prayer really works? 
Jesus said it this way, you can ask anything in my name and I'll do it for you. Now, I grew up thinking, hearing that and going, okay, so you ask, boom, 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 and then say, in Jesus' name, amen, like it's a little prayer hack kind of thing. If you put the right little four little words at the end of the, at the, end of the prayer, God has to come through. That's not what he's talking about. It's praying in Jesus' name means praying according to God's will, praying how Jesus would pray, praying according to God's agenda on those kind of things. And prayer really works. Now, some of you are going, yeah, but I've prayed and it doesn't work, and we talked about that. Sometimes the reason prayer doesn't work is because we don't actually pray. We wish to God. Or we think, well, I don't, I don't really talk to God. I don't, I don't pray. I just kind of, when I'm driving around, I'm, here's the crazy thing. I'm just kind of in the spirit of prayer all the time. I go, no, you're not, pal. Life is too busy to be in the spirit of prayer all the time. There's too much. If you don't take some time to intentionally connect with God, and, and again, some people go, well, I, I, I struggle with prayer. Well, then don't pray. Just talk to God intentionally. We sometimes think prayer is this thing you have to go, pray. Just take some time to intentionally talk to God. And the things that'll, that'll, that'll mess up prayers, we don't keep praying. We've got sin and foolishness in our life. And sometimes, according to the Apostle Garth Brooks, sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Sometimes what he's telling us is, hey, sometimes God doesn't give you what you think you want because he knows it's going to be bad for you, or he knows he's got something even better for you. So uh, the, the big question here is, am I intentionally talking to God? If prayer really works, am I being intentional about it? Number four, what if we have to die in order to really live? Jesus says it this way. He says, you need to, if you want the life I have for you, pick up your cross and follow me. He says, you need to die daily to yourself. Now, guys, this flies against everything our culture is telling us. And this is not just all oh, these kids, these millennials, these Gen Zers, whatever the little label we have for them. This is all of us. It's all, it's, it's, it, they call it right now expressive individualism. And there's some good things about individualism. We're not just all part of a herd and part of a crowd. But we have our own, we're personal in our relationship with God. We have this idea of expressive individualism, and it's, it's everywhere in terms of form, identity and money and relationships, uh, just being, be, being true to myself. Do, do, you do you, you. You achieve. Here's the big line you're hearing right now. And teachers do this. We have great teachers here at our church that you teach in the various places our, our, we do with our kids. We want to train everybody to reach their full potential <laughs> on that. It's a potential trap. You'll drain the life out of yourself, reaching your full potential. Because here's the deal. Sometimes reaching your potential means you miss your purpose. Give me an give illustration here. Caterpillars and seeds. Caterpillars. Anybody seen a caterpillar recently? Not the most attractive little bug in the world, right? Like these fuzzy little queer, quirky. I mean, you would squish that thing if it, you crawled up on you at night on... <laughs> It's just, but the caterpillar has to reach its full potential, so it's going to get it's going to get a pedicure and get its eyebrows done and get and get the little get, do, do get the little the little braided hairs things on there, make it look become the best caterpillar it can be. See, the caterpillar can reach all of its potential and miss its purpose because its purpose is to go into that cocoon and die to itself, and what emerges out of there. Beauty and a butterfly. Seeds, same thing. That seed, 
Oh, man, you could do beautiful things with that seed. You could hold that seed up and put it on a shelf there. Talk about let the seed reach its full potential. We could decorate it. We could varnish it. We could get it counseling and therapy to become the best seed it could possibly be. And the way that seed reaches its full amazing purpose and ultimately reaches its potential it wants is to go into that ground and die. And what comes out of there is way beautiful, amazing. What if, what if we have to die in order to live? Here's the question. How do I practically die to myself? Because some of you will hear a message like this, hear something like this and think, okay, I've got to die to myself, so I've got to go. Die to myself. Die to myself. And it's this thing you get to a place of like nirvana where everything just kind of goes away. You go into the That's Eastern philosophy and religion. Not some, there might be some good things about it maybe. It's not what Jesus is talking about. You know what die to myself means? She did it again. And I want to go at her or at my kids or at my spouse or at that. Anybody had a chance to drive over the last couple, three days? One time I died to myself, 12 times I didn't die to myself. Because there's some ridiculous people that drive in California. I think they moved here from out of state because they don't haven't quite learned that when you're in the fast lane, you don't drive the speed limit in the fast lane. What is wrong? Anyway, go back to Arizona. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, but true. Um, practically dying to myself, just day in and day out. Dying daily means there's things where you want to go express myself, be true to myself. Mm. Number five, what if Jesus is seen best in the most vulnerable, at-risk people out there. There's this idea in our world and amongst Christians and stuff that someday Jesus is coming back. We want Jesus to come back someday. When is Jesus going to come back? And we want to see Jesus come back. It's going to be awesome, wouldn't it? Jesus said, look, I'm already here, pal. You know how you see Jesus all the time? Not in some beautiful, majestic church not going up to a massive retreat and being all inspired by your faith and maybe I can encounter God on that mountaintop experience. You know where you see him, he says? You see him in that, 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 that single girl with an unplanned pregnancy, homeless people, prisoners, widows and orphans, kids in the foster care system. Jesus says, when you care the, for the least of these, it's not just for them you're doing it, you're doing it to me. He says, I, that's where you're going to see me in the world. What if Jesus is seen right here, right now, all the time? This matters huge to God. And we said here as a reminder, because I get it, especially right now at Christmas time, Thanksgiving time. Well, gosh, if we give him stuff and give him money and give him resources, it's just going to enable bad behavior. And we don't want to do that. So we get over here and go, well, I'm just going to be careful and be, be super careful over here that I don't enable bad behavior. And God's going to tell us, look, if you're going to make a mistake on this, Make a mistake not on being wise, but on being gracious and generous. It's crazy important to God. If we're going to make a mistake as a church, guys, here, if those of you that are new with us, we're going to do some things sometime and you go, well, we blew that because we were too nice to people. We were too generous. And maybe we did, we, gosh, we've given money and resources to people sometimes and go, they just screwed it all up and jacked it all up. Well, just like you and me with God's grace and mercy to us, how we jack it all up and screw it all up. How am I helping? Here's the question. How am I helping the most vulnerable? How am I helping the most vulnerable? We did those go bags. Remember if you guys were here a few weeks ago uh, where you little Ziploc bags to help homeless people. 
Don't just throw money at them. Go have a conversation with them and help them out. Number six, what if there is a way to God, there is a way, and Jesus is it? This is the, the doctrine of what the theologians call the exclusivity of Christ. That there's many pathways out there claiming to be the path to God. And the world we live in right now says, be tolerant to all of them. Which means, not tolerance used to mean, well, people have their different opinions. We're going to respect those opinions even though they can be right or wrong. Now we're saying everybody's right. And the tricky part about that is, as much as a lot of the world religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, Eastern religions, we have a great deal that we have in common. But at the core of who we are, the core of who we are has some fundamental differences that cancel each other out. And if, if there are many ways to God, then Jesus isn't one of them. Because Jesus said, I am not a way. I'm not the pathway to the truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. And we live in a day of cultural pluralism and everybody has to endorse everybody. He's going to tell us, look, they can't all be true without changing what they are. We can agree on a lot. Recognize that at some point we have to come to terms with Jesus. And so here's the deal. The question here is this. Am I ready to tell my story? And am I ready to tell his story? My story is my story. How I encountered Jesus. How I came to terms with the fact that I am a sinner in need of a Savior and what Jesus did to change my life. And some of you have gnarly, nasty, bleh, stories. Some of you have the stories like mine growing up and like I think the worst thing I ever did, I found a pack of cigarettes on the side of the road in seventh grade and tried to go smoke one of them and bought a pack of matches and then I ate eight packs of cert so I didn't get in trouble with my parents. That's the worst thing I probably ever did as a kid. Tell your story. Don't let it be somebody else's story. And guys, when you tell your story, one of the ways you do that is to do what the early disciples did. They didn't know anything yet. They had no theological background. Most of them couldn't read or write. You know what they said to people? Come and see who I, this guy I know about. Guys, we're at Christmas time right now. Next week, like Grant said, it's going to be all decorated in here. It's going to be beautiful and amazing. People are often open to conversations about God and church and Christianity at this time of the year. So make, be ready to tell that story. Be ready to say, come and see. Here's a quick little video of our Christmas series coming up called Christmas. Yeah, because the truth is we're going to find Christ in the mess. And guys, the first Christmas was a mess. It was a mess. We're going to take, it's going to take some time to look at that in the next few weeks. But I invite your friends out to come out and how we find Christ. Uh, in the beauty of all the, what, the little dogs with the little ball under the Christmas tree and Christmas cookies and food and Christmas decorations and all that. But in the mess that's in all of our lives. And they'd be ready to tell his story, not just your story. But to know the story, what the gospel is. And the gospel, he said, is simply this. That God loves us, but our sin has separated us from God. And God loved us so much that he came down here in the person of Jesus Christ, lived the life that I was supposed to live, the perfect life. He died in my place, the death that I deserve to die because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And he rose again from death to break the power of sin. He says, just believe that. Just put your faith in that. And people go, what is faith? It's believing that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago counts for me today. 
that, that, that he offers forgiveness and extends forgiveness to me. And you don't have to get worry about getting all the words right. And do, am I going to say it right or screw it up? Like nobody knows how to say it right. Just have a real conversation with people about that. When they have a question about that, be ready to tell your story and his story. Number seven, what if anger makes me a moron? And that shouldn't be a question because that's just to be a statement. Anger makes you a moron. In the middle of the word dangerous is the word anger. Anger can be very, very dangerous. We live in a culture right now where anger is... Is, is virtuous because you're taking a stand for things. And social media has just <laughs> exploded out there because you can do things on social media you would never even say in person to people. At least most of you that have a brain in your head um, wouldn't do it like that. But out on the Internet, we can just lose our minds, literally lose our minds. Proverbs 14.29 says, Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. He echoes what James says, Be slow to speak. Slow to, oh, excuse me. Yeah, slow to speak quick to listen and slow to get angry. He says, anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I love this too. He says, um, anger, quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Some of you are going, that explains my first marriage. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 7.9, I love this one too. Control your temple for anger labels you a fool. Sadly, in, even amongst in, in Christian circles and churches all across America today, anger is one, they've added a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the, the, Paul talks about Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and anger and gentleness and self-control. You know why anger's in there? Because we're taking a stand for the right things, dang it. It's time for Christians to stand up. And let's, you know what? If we don't make a stand up here and just scream and yell at people, we're never going to convince them. God goes, look, you can take a stand for things without being a moron, without being a jerk for it. Nobody ever got beat into changing their mind. So here's the big question. Am I getting better at resolving anger? It's not, about, it's, not a matter, it's not a question of am I getting better at not being angry. Angry is just part of being human. Am I, what am I doing with it? And sometimes it's important to quickly move quick. He says, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Go, go take care of that quick. It also says it though, Hey, sometimes it's better to let the sun go down. Take, take a nap. Sleep on it. Rest on it. Let, let things calm down there. Whatever you need to do, am I getting better at resolving the anger? Number eight, what if sin should be amputated, not just moderated? Jesus said it this way. He says, if your right eye is causing you to sin, take a fork and gouge out your eye. If your hand is causing you to sin, get a chainsaw and amputate it off of you. If your feet are causing you to sin, cut it off. You're going, you're new at our church going, did he really say that? I mean, it's in the book. I'm just delivering the mail. I didn't write it. Now, again, he's not telling us here, go take a chainsaw and start amputating. What he's telling us here is take sin seriously. Justin and Beth both talked about it in their messages when they talked about this, is that sometimes we are petting our sin. We're playing with our sin. It's like there's this little cute little dragon. Oh, let's have a cute little dragon. It's a little puppy dragon. Oh, cute, fun. And we turn around six months or six years later and go, man, my whole house is torched. We kept feeding that and it grew and grew and grew. And at some point, I had, at the beginning, I'm doing sin. At the end, sin is doing you, pal. She says, you got to take it seriously. And you take it seriously when it's a little puppy dragon in your house, not the big, huge monster that becomes almost impossible to kill. 
Am I playing with sin or pulverizing it? Am I playing with sin or pulverizing it? John Owen, a famous guy from back in the 1600s, he's awesome. You should read everything that guy writes. He says it this way, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Number nine, what if, everybody say it with me again. I want to get you guys going. What if, thank you, we are the light of the world. And not we are the light of the world, but we are the light of the world. Jesus shows up here and says, I am the light of the world. We have no problem believing that. Anybody, any God, he said what he said, did what he, does what he does, did what he did, who rose from the grave, he's the light of the world. He looks at us and goes, hey, pal, you, Glenn, Jack, Kelly, Monica, you're the, you're the light of the world. Not, not just Jesus out there. He calls us to be the light, which means we need to shine that bright. Remember this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. That means for here at Crosspoint, we need your help doing all kinds of stuff here. Let our light shine brightly here. Jump on a team here if you're not on a team yet. But sometimes, again, you hear pastors say things about shine bright where you already are. You're thinking, oh, gosh, they're going to get us to sign up for something else we got to do. We're already too busy breaking the Sabbath um, because we're too busy, and now we're going to have to break the Sabbath even more to serve God. Not saying that. We're just saying shine bright where you already are. That's the big question here. How am I shining where I already am? Four places where you already are. Your home and your neighborhood. How do you shine bright there? Conversations with people, praying for people, just helping out around the neighborhood. In the workplace. You want to work all the time? How do you shine bright there? And then those places, they call it the sociologists, anthropologists call it our third place. That place like a team we're on. A club we're a part of, a hobby we have. For a lot of us who have kids, it's the things that our kids are involved in. You spend a lot of time on fields and practices and stuff like that. How am I shining bright right there? There's enough. <laughs> I'm be kind here. It's Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of really bad parents out there on those fields. Don't be one of them. No matter how stupid and silly the umpire is or the coaches. Shine bright where you already are. And then the digital world that we live in. That's the fourth place. How am I shining bright there in the digital world where I can just get away with all kinds of nonsense because nobody can ever challenge me or yell at me other than just typing some stuff on a screen? How am I shining where I already am? Number 10. What if God is really big and you and I are really small. Small. Not just really small, you are infinitesimally, ridiculously, insignificantly small. That's compared to God, you're, you're, we're nothing. We talked about this. And, and that, I was thinking about this. We looked at those science images, and I was outside there, and I'm taking a walk looking up at the Big Dipper. If, it, who knows what the Big Dipper is? Can find it in the sky? A few of you can. Just Google it. You can find it. It's like the three stars. It's called the Big Dipper because it connects the dots. It makes like a yet ladle, a dipper kind of thing, I guess. Um, and so I went and Googled it. That light that you saw last night looking at the Big Dipper, you know when that light happened? 84 years ago that light happened. That's how big the universe is, and that's close stars to us. The universe is so crazy big, we can't even get our minds around how big it is, and it tells us that God holds the universe. It's about that big. Because he holds it in his hand. I thought about this later, uh, too. He holds the universe in his hand, and he holds it together. 
the crazy nuclear bursts of galaxies and stars and constellations. He holds all that together so it all keeps working together. He holds that in his hands. He holds you in his arms. He holds you in his arms. And that kind of, that's crazy, crazy, unbelievable love. That kind of power is displayed personally for you. Universe in his hands, you in his arms. The most stunning star we said in, in this, that message was it's Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can approach God, this unapproachable, unfathomably gigantic, huge. We have no adverbs or adjectives for how big God is. He said, because of what Jesus did, we can approach the throne of God where there's crazy mutant creatures and angels with all, eyes all over them and 18 wings and crazy stuff going on. You can approach that throne with boldness and confidence. You know what boldness and confidence looks like? The throne room of God. We get to come boldly and confidently because of what Jesus has done. And then the question here for this is, do I get it? There's really probably not behavior. This is more, sometimes we don't need to see our behavior changed. We need our attitude and perspective changed. To really let that seep into your soul. That it's not about me. Because if it's about me, it's up to me. And if it's up to me, <laughs> but if you've got a God who holds the universe together, he can take care of your life, pal. And take care of your kids. Take care of your money. Do I get it? Number 11. What if I could get what I really want? This is God comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asks God for the most important thing. And here's the big question. This is what really matters most to me? We, uh, the idea of what's in your box. Everybody's got a box that you put. Okay, what's most important to me? And again, in this box, it's not okay for somebody else like my kids or my friends, or world peace, or, 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 or certain issues that are super important to me. In this box is, what if it's just for you? And God can't give you one thing that you really want. Once you get that straight, your whole life revolves around that. Here's the deal, guys. God is not one of the priorities on your list of paper, listing out your priorities of God, and then family, and then church, and then work, and then... God's not, one, not the top of the list on that paper. God's the paper you write the list on. He touches everything in your life. If we got that, what really matters most to me? And then, if you weren't here last week, dang, dude. I wasn't here. I was on vacation last week. I watched uh, from a remote location when Pastor Justin was here talking about this. The, the number 12 in this series. What if it really is finished. Jesus screams out on the cross, Tetelestai! It is finished. Which means that your sin and your shame and your guilt is done. Your rebellion against God is done. You know what else is done? All of your religion and spirituality is done. You, you, there's nothing so bad that you can do that will separate from you from God and there's nothing good enough that you can do to work your way back to God. doesn't matter. Rebellious and religious stand at equal footing at the cross. Recognize that it's finished. It, it, it's the idea of paid in full. And, and what that means is, this is tricky, because some of you that are newer at this, 
You got some things where you go, okay, I get it in my heart and soul. Okay, Jesus loves me and I get, okay, I'm going to be better at that that habit or that sin thing. And before you get home today, you're going to screw up again. You go, well, I just suck as a Christian. God must be disgusting. No, no. Paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, all of your sins were in the future. You got a clean record before God, and not just wiped clean, but the righteous record of Jesus is now credited to your accounts. So when God looks at you, He sees the righteous, perfect record of His only, His one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It's done. It's paid in full. And I love what Justin said. I'd never heard this before. It's not just a matter of like they would stamp like the debt's been paid to tell us die. It's what an artist would do when they painted a masterpiece or sculpted something out of rock or clay, and they would work for crazy amounts of time on it, and they would get to it done, and they would go, to tell us die, masterpiece. That the masterpiece, the most stunning masterpiece ever, ever displayed uh, in, the, in, in human history was the naked bleeding, bloodied, tortured body of his son on a cross, absorbing the sin and wrath and judgment of God to save the whole world from our sin. Masterpiece. If you haven't texted anything in yet, get your phones out right now on that number. Somebody's, I mean, it's not coming to me. Uh, text in, which one did you find most meaningful, most memorable, most significant, not necessarily even which one you like the best, because that might be different. Which one was most meaningful, most memorable? Vote right now. As you're doing that, there are, somebody's off-site going to tabulate that and text me. We're going to tell you the, the 12, to 11, 12 to 1, but we're going to get the top three here in a second. I have to tell them to close the poll. Hang on a second. Or, okay, here we go. Okay, keep talking. Yeah, sorry, I won't close it yet. Um, do that. Uh, vote right now. Now, here's the deal. Has anything changed in the last 12 weeks in your life? I hope so. If nothing has changed in your last 12 weeks in your life, either, either your actions and behavior or your perspective and attitude, find a new church. No, seriously. Because we're not here to dispense information and to give you entertaining talk every week. See, information plus application equals transformation you got to do something with it. Information minus application leads to devastation. The people that, were the most, that knew the most in Jesus' day were the ones who took, put him on a cross and killed him. Having your theology, knowing all the right things, having 15 podcasts you listen to, and I did, like, you want know to make me get a little, like almost throw up my mouth a little bit and see will say this. Steve, we need to dig deeper into the meat of the word. Like we don't not like that silly, we need to dig deeper in the meat. You know what the meat of the word is? Obeying God's word. That's the meat. It's not knowing what it says. Anybody, gosh, the demons know what it says. They got better faith than you do, pal. It's, has anything changed? Actions and behavior. And again, as we do this today, this is not a, hmm. You can look at that list sometimes, and if you're like me growing up, that are more like the, okay, where am I screwing up, and can I can be better, and okay, a, a B plus is not good enough, I need to get an A minus, where am I, you do that. Don't worry about big, massive changes in your life. Are there simple things that have changed? Am I handling anger a little better? 
Some of you, I'm taking a day off. I'm handling money a little differently. I'm dealing, dealing with stuff, having conversations in the workplace, how I act in the workplace, recognizing I'm shining a light right there. Just simple, even minor things that have changed. What am I doing there uh, that's, that, that is different? Um, have you all voted yet? You all voted? Can we tell, I'm going to tell her, okay, close the poll. If you didn't vote, you can come and tell me afterwards if you want. Or you have three seconds right now. Three, two, one, boop. What if, what if we today took these, just these 12, last 12 weeks, and for the rest of our lives, just acted on what we knew in these 12. Just, just 12, not 237. What, what if I picked three of them for the rest of the year to say, okay, God, I want you to, I want to, I want to drill, down, drill down to those because sometimes I go, I want to be a better Christian. You're never going to be a better Christian, but I want to be a better Christian. You know, I've got some, God, what's some things you want to work on in my life? What are some things you want to change and transform out of me? The band's going to come up right now. Band's gonna come up right now. Here's the as they're coming up. Here's the top, here's the 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 number tw- the the one that was the uh, that was in third place. We're not gonna do all of them. What if number was was number five? Jesus is seen best in the most vulnerable, at risk people. Second place was number seven. What if anger makes me a moron? And first place was number twelve. What if it really is finished? Which is perfect, right? Because we're wrapping the series up today and finishing it. But what, like Justin said, finished just doesn't mean just finished, boom, done. It's finished with continuing. It's continually being, it's continuously finished and all that. We're going to give you a chance today to celebrate and remember. Today it's not about conviction, feeling like, oh my gosh, I've messed up. Because here's the deal, sometimes too, you'll, you'll get to a place like this and go, well, I'm not where I want to be yet. Don't worry about that. Has something at some level changed slightly or maybe significantly in your life in the last three months, last 12 weeks of this series? And celebrate that today. Don't walk in there going, well, I'm just not falling through like I want to. Pick the one or two things and celebrate that today. Remember, remember where God has taken you and made some, made some tweaks, some changes in your actions, your attitudes, your behaviors, your perspectives. It's why we gather here every week to give you a chance to celebrate and remember by singing some songs together. We sing songs together because they help us remember how great God is. Guys, the truth is, in the book of Isaiah, they're singing a song called, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's a song going on in heaven. And now, like 800 years have gone by, and then John sees a vision of heaven. You know what song they're singing in heaven right now? Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Guys, Our songs, we have different lyrics. They're all saying the same thing. Jesus is amazing. You're not. He's fantastic. He's beautiful, amazing. We just celebrate that because you sometimes don't need to know more. You need to feel more. You need to be inspired in your faith. That's why we sing together, using music to help us do that. And then we give you a chance to come and receive communion. It's the body and the blood of Jesus that's symbolized in the bread and the juice that's there. Jesus says, I want you to do this 
over and over again. And when you do it to remember me. I think he tells us to do a lot because there's so many distractions out there that we can get so sucked into. Even good distractions. Beautiful distractions, especially this time of the year. Family and Christmas and gifts and Christmas decorations and lights. It's going to be beautiful and amazing. He says, hey, just remember what this is all about. The God, the infinite creator of the universe came down here 2,000 years ago and his body was broken. His blood was spilled. Remember Remember that. And if you need prayer for anything today, maybe there's some things that are going on in your life. You've got stuff going on. You want somebody to pray for you. Our prayer team is at the back of the house. I encourage you to, as the lights go down here, we're going to take a few minutes to sing together and receive communion in the four corners of the room is where those elements are. Uh, Just wander back there and let them pray for you. Jesus, today, God, I don't want, well, conviction if you want to do that, Spirit. My prayer right now is not so much conviction, but inspiration and encouragement. That you have, that we're standing firm in this truth we already know. We still got some work to do and some miles to go, but you're changing us slowly but surely. And we're just grateful for that today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.